Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Schmo Zone, where the air is thin, the sports get heavy. With your hosts, the dynamic duo, Dave Schmolenson and Helen Yee. Welcome back to the Schmo Zone. I'm Helen Esports. And I'm Dave Schmolenson. Now, Dave, I know last week's episode, we hinted on driving around town in your Schmomobile to go to a specific athlete's house to do your very first Schmo on the Go interview, which we ended up doing. So we delivered. Absolutely. It was Sweet Dreams Jamal Hill, UFC light heavyweight champion, or I guess technically he's not right now. He vacated it. But he will be fighting for the title again, UFC 300 against Alex Pereira. That was the big news that came out last week in the UFC world, that UFC 300 would be headlined by Alex Pereira, the current UFC light heavyweight champion, against Jamal Hill, who nine months ago tore his Achilles. So he never lost the belt. Like you said, he vacated. Absolutely. Never lost the belt. The schmo on the go, presented by Ford Country. Check them out. Ford Country in the Auto Mall. 280 North Gibson Road. They have low APR going on right now. Tell them the Schmo sent you. Check them out. Great vehicles. Went around, interviewed him in the back of the Schmo Mobile, and uh, he's ready for the fight. You think he liked it? I think he liked it. It's spacious. <laughs> it, F-150. You know, it is spacious, but it's funny because when we were inside his house and you're like, hey, we're going to do an interview in my Schmo Mobile, and he's like, you know, getting nervous because he's like, when you think about those cars, you didn't tell him it was a F-150. So he thought maybe, you know, is it like those tiny cars? Is it like a, you know, smart car? A smart car. Imagine <laughs> that guy <laughs> right now walking around at 230, 240 going into a smart car. No chance. But yeah, very spacious. I think it's a fun concept driving around Las Vegas, interviewing some of the best fun athletes and creating some different type of content. So Jamal Hill, the first schmo on the go. Yes. But let's get to some hot topics going on because I know the NFL Combine is going on right now through March 4th. And the Raiders, I mean, there were some hot news today. The GM, Tom Telesco, he says that Devontae Adam is a Raider. And also in regards to Josh Jacobs, he says, quote, He's a high-level player. I do want to establish a philosophy with the Raiders that we like to resign our own. doesn't bother me that I didn't draft him. He's a Raider, so we're going to explore pretty hard to see if we can bring him back here. Well, I like those answers right off the bat from our GM, Tom Telesco. Let's start with Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, six-time Pro Bowler. He's 31 years old. He's in his prime right now. Okay, the Raiders traded a first and a second round pick to get this guy in 2022 from the Packers. He signs a five-year, $141 million deal, the highest paid wide receiver at the time, and right now he's the second highest paid to Tyreek Hill. He's remained loyal to this organization, 
part of the reason, or probably one of the main lures of coming to Las Vegas, was reuniting with his college football teammate in Derek Carr. They played together at Fresno State. And then we all know what happened. Derek Carr, you know, got benched, ended up leaving the organization, and he didn't play with him last season. We bring in Jimmy Garoppolo, and unfortunately, that didn't work out too well. You draft in the in the mid-rounds last year in Aiden O'Connell, and he's been a good, serviceable quarterback, but you ask yourself the question, is he good enough to be a starting quarterback in the NFL? And Devontae Adams, he made the Pro Bowl in 2022, his first season with the Raiders. He led the league, in fact, in touchdown receptions. And then he finished this 2023 season with the back and forth with the two different quarterbacks with 103 receptions, over 1,100 receiving yards, eight touchdowns. And by the way, that's four straight 1,000-plus yard seasons for Devontae Adams. And now in this offseason, our Raiders, they got offensive coordinator Luke Getze. And Luke Getze... He was with the Packers when we had Devontae Adams with the Packers. He started off as their offensive quality controls coach, and then he became their wide receivers coach. And he would be, he's reuniting with him, and Devontae Adams obviously became a star wide receiver in Green Bay. So he's already shown that loyalty. He's in the prime of his career. I don't think you would get the same trade value you would get that you did to bring him in here. Now you just got to ask yourself the question, what are we going to do with the 13th overall pick? Because right now, when I look at all these different mock drafts, there's four quarterbacks that are looking to be selected in the first round, in the, uh, in the, in the first 12 picks. Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, and I've even seen J.J. McCarthy out of Michigan, national champion. So do the Raiders trade up for one of these quarterbacks, or do they sign a veteran in Russell Wilson or Justin Fields, who I've talked a lot about on yes. the show uh, I know that head coach Antonio Pierce is going to want to find a way to own the line of scrimmage for this upcoming year. He wants to establish the physicality. So if there's a great tackle that's available and, and, and you go the route of getting one of the veteran quarterbacks, but you got to ask yourself this question, Helen, what kind of splash are the Raiders going to do at that position at quarterback? And because we just heard the quote of them being open to keeping Josh Jacobs and having that stability in the backfield, you're kind of just telling us and telling the fans that we really need to solidify the quarterback position. And I think that is the utmost importance for the Raiders this offseason. And what do you think they should do? Well, I've talked about Justin Fields so much, and then I listened to what Ryan Poles, the GM of the Bears, was saying, and him not thinking it'd be right to trade Justin Fields before free agency begins. Uh, like, But before, I guess what I'm trying to say is, should he trade Justin Fields before the NFL draft? Does he leave him in limbo? Does he leave him in this gray area? That was the conversation. And Ryan Poles kind of just hinted at towards the media at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis that, hey, I'm not ready to um, put this guy in limbo and keep all these question marks with our franchise. And it just opens up the question, what do the Bears do? And... I just think from a financial situation, and I just think because of how highly touted of a prospect he is, and for the fact that Justin Fields went 0-6 in his young career against the Green Bay Packers, and if you're a Chicago Bears fan, the most important thing outside of the Super Bowl is to beat the Green Bay Packers. He failed to do that. And in the six games that he played the Packers, four touchdowns, seven interceptions. I just think it's Justin Fields is a star in the making. I think a reset will be great. Maybe reuniting with Luke Getze here and uh, with the Raiders 
having Josh Jacobs back there, you already have one of the top two, top three wide receivers in the NFL, Devontae Adams. You have a star in Max Crosby on the defense. I think it makes a lot of sense to bring Justin Fields to Las Vegas. And I think that's where I'm going with this, Helen. I could tell by your passion. Well, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how everything unfolds, though. It really is. But what kind of trading trading assets are you going to do? Are the Bears going to demand a Max Crosby for Justin Fields? I wouldn't say it's worth doing that with how valuable Max Crosby is, not just for this this city, but for the franchise uh, and the community, what he does. Obviously, his statistics on the field, he is the definition of a Raider. 100%. But you're going to have to put a sexy package in there if you're going to get <laughs> Justin Fields. You're going to have to put uh, a haul together. And uh, does Tom Telesco have him in him to do that? That will be the question. And we will find out within the coming months, right? We will. We will. Um do you want to transition now to some NBA talk? Uh, I, I wanted to get to something we haven't discussed much. I want to talk about Bronny James. Yes. LeBron James' son, you know, the highly touted freshman USC Trojan basketball player. And USC, a college program this season that, let's just be real, has not lived up to expectations. Not likely, more than likely, they would have to win the Pac-12 tournament to be a tournament team, NCAA tournament team this season. Um, have not had a good season, and Bronny James has not put forth the numbers that you would expect from the son of LeBron James, and there's a lot of pressure. And I think that it's just kind of catching up, and it got to a point where I think LeBron is now waiting on it and just saying, let the kid be a kid. You know, let him do his thing and not focus on the 2024 NBA draft because right now he's not in the draft boards for most mock drafts. I just can't even imagine like the type of pressure that Bronny must feel every single day. 100%. Your dad's the best basketball player on earth, and he has been for over a decade. And he's still playing. And he's still playing. And he's the one who put the pressure on him in the first place, saying, I want to play until I'm 40, and I want to share the hardwood with my son. So regardless if you tell people to back off now, you're the one who set the expectation for everybody in the first place. You know, that's a good point because I did look through his tweets and I believe he like tweeted two of those tweets just kind of telling people, you know, let him be a kid and enjoy college basketball and that work and results ultimately do the talking no matter what he decides to to, to do. So if y'all don't know, he doesn't care what a mock draft says. He just works or not given and just like telling other kids out there striving to be great to keep their head down blinders on and keep grinding and that these mock drafts don't matter but like you mentioned I mean yeah he kind of did already put that expectation and there's already such a magnifying glass every single day for LeBron James and everything that he says in general and for him to still be playing and like you mentioned want to share you know the court with his son now everyone's gonna magnify like put a magnifying glass to his son so it's like now you try to backtrack a little bit it no it, the pressure's already there and there's kind of no escaping it now really on that same team on usc you have dj rodman the son of dennis rodman basketball hall of famer you've spoken to dj spoken before. to dj but what i'm just trying to put in perspective is you don't hear the same conversations of the pressure on a son of an nba hall of famer who's on the same team 
yeah. you do with Bronny James. And I know he had the cardiac arrest, that scare over the summer. And I know that's in the back of the mind of all these scouts and GMs. But, man, oh, man, it's a tough thing. It's, it's, it's one of those unspoken things where there's going to be pressure no matter what. It was the same way for Michael Jordan's kids when they had uh, their own pressure. And, you know, they were college basketball players, but they never panned out professionally. Yeah, maybe delete social media for a bit. I don't know the answer. We don't know the answer to it, but it's just something to take note of. It's not something that can be ignored, but it is what it is. Uh, Coming up, we will have our first guest of the day. He's played Major League Baseball in three different decades, and he is the godfather of the best quarterback in the NFL. Don't go anywhere. This is the Schmo Zone on ESPN Radio Las Vegas. Stay tuned. Welcome back. We're your host, Dave Schmolenson and Helen Yee. Peel back the curtain in the Vegas sports world and beyond. Welcome back to the Schmo Zone party, people. I'm Dave Schmolenson. And I'm Helen Yee Sports. And we want to introduce our next guest on the Schmo Zone. He played in Major League Baseball for three decades, 21 seasons, 12 teams, the one of the 13th player in baseball history to get a save against all 30 teams, the Hawk, Latroy Hawkins. <laughs> thanks for joining us today, Latroy. Uh, thanks for having me on, Smo. Your check's in the mail, okay? It's going to be a little sh- short. I was looking for a better introduction, a little longer introdu- introduction, but it's cool. What I did appreciate I, it. <laughs> what did I miss? What did I miss, my friend? You didn't miss anything. It was amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Actually, co-host of the Thick Skin Podcast with Jock Jones. There we go. Oh, there you go. Good, good recovery. I like that. Good job. I appreciate How you, been, you. Man, it's been a while. It's been a while. I've been good, man. You know, I didn't see you at the Super Bowl uh, red carpet. That's where we met a few years back. Now, I believe it was Lee Steinberg's Super Bowl party. Um, you're a great guy. I've watched your career. I remember when you pitched for the Chicago Cubs after you started your career with the Minnesota Twins. You were a long-tenured pitcher there. And, man, you were just so durable. You were really, really reliable. And that's why you played in the league for three different decades. So, I mean, you're a legend, and we appreciate you joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. I don't know about a legend, but you know, I was able to, to um, play it at the highest level for – 21 seasons, and when people ask me, like, hey, man, how were you able to do it? I said, man, when you first start off, you just want to make it to the big leagues, and then you want to get to arbitration, which is two and a half years in the major leagues, and then you want to get to free agency, which is after six years in the big leagues, and then you want to get to 10 years to get the full pitching, and then the rest, you put your head down, and before you know it, I mean, I had 21 seasons in, and it was time to, to give the jersey back to, you know, the last organization I played for and told him I was tired of baseball before baseball said, I'm tired of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you played for 12 different teams. Uh, if you look at the landscape, we just started spring training right now. What team do you have your eye on as probably one of the most improved teams that can make a playoff run this season? Well, you know, I work with the Twins most, so I'm I'm here in Fort Myers. Uh, uh, I got, got here st- right okay. after the – what's that? I, I, that's right. You got to stay neutral yeah. on that. I, I totally understand. Yeah, they got to stay neutral. But um, I think like we have a really good team here in Minnesota. We lost some key guys in the offseason with Sonny Gray and Kita Maeda uh, signing free, as free agents of elsewhere. Um, but we got Paddock, 
Paddock, one of our uh, relievers, we, I mean, starters we got from San Diego a couple of years ago. He had Tommy John surgery, made his debut with us last, um, you know, September during the playoffs, September and October. So uh, we're looking at him as, you know, a free agent signing to replace a couple of the guys that we, we lost. But, you know, we get a healthy Byron Buxton, Carlos Correa, um, Royce Lewis. I think we have a really good nucleus. So, you know, I'm staying neutral, but I'm going to – American League Central, I, you know, I'm going out – not going out on land, but I'm going to say the Twins will, you know, win the Central. Um, if everything goes as planned, you know, there's a lot of things you can't foresee and injuries and things like that, but uh, the Twins definitely are in a good spot. As far as who's – you know, I'm, I have to go with the Braves, and you probably go, why are you not going with the Dodgers, and the Doriers? And I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't know how many more wins. Yamamoto and, and Shohei is going to bring a team that's already won 100-plus games from like seven straight years, you know, except for the 2020 season where they won the World Series. Um, but, you know, I would have to, you know, I'm a big, you know, I'm big on Atlanta, just the way they go about their business. You know, their guys play 150 games a season. They're running their guys out there, and their pitching is stacked. Well, you said his name, Shohei Otani, now in a Dodgers uniform, going, what, 30, 30 to 40 miles away in, from Orange County to Los Angeles. What do you make of all this media frenzy and media attention he's getting, signed the richest deal in the offseason to be there? Uh, what do you make of the hype around Shohei Otani in a Dodgers uniform? The hype is real because he's a talent that none of us in our lifetime have seen. I mean, for real, like, we hadn't seen anything like Shohei and. And people always talk about his pitching and his hitting, his ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark. He is one incredible athlete, freakish-type athlete. The guy runs like a deer, like an antelope. It's impressive. So, you know, the hype is real around Shohei, man. It is real. And you know what? I tell people this all the time. It's like, oh, baseball players, hey, man, we're only worth what somebody's willing to pay us. (laughs) We're only worth what somebody's willing to pay us. And they were willing to to back up the Brinks truck to his his house and and told him to take as much as he needed, and he did that. Hey, LaTroy, with um, us being here in Las Vegas, there's, you know, a lot of talk about the A's coming to Vegas in a few years. What's your thoughts on the A's coming to Vegas? You know what? That's um, just being, you know, being around, being in American League, Playing in San Francisco, uh, never playing, you know, being a member of the Oakland A's, just seeing like my entire career, I never really saw that stadium full. And I don't know all the details of what, you know, ownership had going on with, you know, the, the residents there and not being able to, to be able to build a new ballpark. I don't know all that, but I do know this. I've been to that stadium, the football stadium in Vegas twice. And it is the most beautiful thing in NFL that you you ever could see. That stadium is absolutely amazing. And they fill it up. A's will do the same thing in Vegas. They'll do the exact same thing. There's only one requirement, though. They're going to have to they're gonna have to invest in the team. They're going to have to bring some players in. They're going to have to spend a lot of money because if you're going to Vegas, nobody goes to Vegas to lose. They want winners. And I know Oakland hadn't got to that point yet, but they've they've had some 
you know, some issues at the quarterback position. They had to change quarterbacks from from Carr a couple years ago. But it's like they're trending in the right direction um, with their new coach and Pierce. So I think the A's are going to be fine. It's just they're going to have to recalibrate their thinking and they're going to have to spend money to get players that want to come there and to make that, that organization successful in their new home. What do you think is going through the organization's mind, the player's mind in this kind of – transition phase right now because there's all this talk and momentum about coming to Vegas. It wouldn't be this year or next year, not even the year after that. It'd be 2028. How do you handle that situation if you're part of that organization on the playing side of things? So I remember in 2001 when I was at the Minnesota Twins in 2000-2001, I can't remember what year, and Major League Baseball was talking about contracting a couple teams. And the Twins is one of the teams that was going to be contracted. And our manager, the great Tom Kelly, he told us every single day, Smo, control what you can control. And at this moment, what we can control is wins and losses. And that's what we went out and did. We couldn't, we, we couldn't change MLB's mind. All we can do is go out and do what we're being paid to do, and that's play baseball, win baseball games. And that's what we did. And I hope that's the mentality that the Oakland players are hearing from their leadership. Control what you can control, and we'll take care of the rest. You guys control that, we'll take care of this. Well, you talked about uh, Super Bowl. You talked about Allegiant Stadium. I teased our listeners. You are the godfather of the greatest quarterback in the NFL right now and who I've been arguing about the past few weeks on the show the GOAT right now, as in he is closer to Tom Brady, in my opinion, than LeBron James is closer to MJ. And we're talking about Patrick Mahomes. You've known him since he was a kid. In fact, he's been in the dugout with you, and you know Pat Mahomes, his father. You played ball with him. Let's start here. How good would Patrick Mahomes be if he was in a baseball uniform? Uh, Patrick's a, a hell of an athlete, man, and and his dad was an absolutely amazing athlete himself, Big Rock, Big Pat. Um, I don't know. He was on the mound. He threw 94 to 96 miles an hour. Do I think he could have made the major league? For sure. Because he has that mentality. Uh, he's able to make adjustments. Um, and baseball is in, his, is in his, his DNA. That's in his DNA. The quarterback thing for me, he had to learn to be a quarterback. Baseball came natural to him. Then at the quarterback position, he had to learn and being able to go to a university with Cliff Kingsbury, an offensive-minded um, coach, gives, gave him a little free range and built his confidence and helped him with his quarterback skills. And then being able to go play under Andy Reid and uh, Nagy in Kansas City and getting uh, tutored uh, by Alex Smith, knowing that he was coming in there pretty much to take his job, Alex is the, like the, the real – you know, goat for me when we talk about, you know, Patrick being in Kansas City because instead of being an asshole to him, he took him under his wing. He took him under his wing. He showed him how to be a pro. He showed him how to watch film. He, he gave him everything. He poured into his cup knowing that he was coming there to eventually take over, take his job. And you don't find a lot of people like that. Yeah. I mean, you totally, totally don't. And so Schmo's been saying for weeks now, like he just mentioned, that 
Patrick Mahomes is a GOAT. We just saw him here in Las Vegas win another Super Bowl. So do you agree with Schmo that Patrick Mahomes is indeed the GOAT? The GOAT? Well, let me just preface this. Uh, the I think... GOAT means GOAT greatest of all time. <laughs> that's we a know that's not true. We know that's not true. I'll say Patrick's the GOAT when Patrick says he's the GOAT. Mm. Because Patrick understands what it takes to be the GOAT. And he understands that he has some more work to do. There's more work to do. And, you know, I love the fact that he's being compared to Tom Brady. I love that. Like, he loves that. I mean, when, if you want to be compared, he can be compared to a whole lot of people, but he's compared to the GOAT. That's a compliment in itself. And just being able to do what he's done in such a short time in the NFL is GOAT status. But that's, that's half the book that's, that's being written on his career. He has a whole other half to go. Probably, a, you know, probably another 70% of his career to go. But we'll see. But when he declares himself the GOAT, I'm his biggest cheerleader. Like, he's the GOAT for sure. That's fair. I guess to clarify my statement so you understand the full context here is every single throw that Brady can make, Patrick can make. In terms of athleticism, Patrick has all that plus a way lot more. He's a student of the game. Yeah. He gets better every time. Three Super Bowls, three Super Bowl MVPs. At his absolute best, you have one guy to drive you down the field and win you the game. I will take Patrick Mahomes over the field. With that said, does Patrick Mahomes need to play till he's 45 years old and garner seven rings to be in that conversation with Brady? I don't think that's what it's going to be, and I still think his best football is way ahead of him. I'm just saying from what I've seen so far, he has all the qualities and makings for me to call him the GOAT, and that's why I do that. Yes, and I, 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 you don't have an argument for me, none whatsoever. He can... He can do a lot of special things on the on the base on the baseball field, on the football field. But just think about all the things that Tom Brady did, not being, you know, I don't want to get this misconstrued, but not being as athletic as Patrick is. You know what I mean? I do. So I do. when I look at that, I look at it like this: when people say he's the greatest basketball player of all time, yeah, I grew up a huge Michael Jordan fan. But I also love this. Check this out. I love the fact that guys like Muggsy Bowles and um, who some of the smaller guys, Nate Robinson, NBA, Nate Nate Roberts. I think those guys are like the best basketball players ever because every night they get on the court, they're at a disadvantage. Every night they don't have a perfect matchup for them. Every night they're at a disadvantage, guarding and being on the offensive and defensive, they are, they have they have the toughest job every single night. They're not physically six nine, two fifty, built like a, 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 a Adonis. No, they don't have that. They're small guys, so they got to figure out how to beat these big guys every night in a different fashion. That's what I look at it. I look at it from that perspective. Those guys are Nate Robinson. What he was able to do in the NBA, like Jesus. Well, then but I where. I agree, but then I go and I look at the Bo Jacksons where you're able to make a Pro Bowl and an All-Star team in two of the highest level sports and still balance in two two seasons in the same year. And the Deion Sanders, although he wasn't a Pro Bowl All-Star in the, uh, like Bo Jackson was, but those are the best athletes too. I mean, I put those guys in that conversation. 
Incredible. You're right. Incredible stuff. The bad thing about Bo, he don't have the track. I mean, he didn't have the longevity that he needed to be, you know, the GOAT. Yes. But did we see enough to have this conversation about him? Damn right we did. 100%. On both fields is amazing. 100%. Latroy, you you and I could talk all day. But uh, we have to move on from the Schmozone. You are going to come on again. We appreciate you joining us today. There's still so much more we will pick your brain on. Will you come on again and we'll do this again sometime soon? Anytime you call, Schmo, I'm here for you, brother. We appreciate you, man. This is Latroy Hawkins. 20-plus seasons in Major League Baseball, three different decades. Stay tuned. We are talking UFC next here on the Schmozone, ESPN Radio Las Vegas. Now you're back into the Schmo Zone on ESPN Las Vegas. Welcome back to the Schmo Zone. I'm Helen Esports. And I'm Dave Schmolenson. Our next guest is the VP of Athlete Development at the UFCPI. He's the winner of the first season of The Ultimate Fighter. He's the former light heavyweight champion and the Hall of Famer. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up to Forrest Griffin. What's up, Forrest? Hey, not much, man. How you doing? We're good. We're good. It's Helen and I here. I know you just came back from a great weekend in Mexico. The UFC just opened up the Performance Institute in Mexico. That's the second international location because I know uh, you have one opened up in China. What was that like, opening up the PI over there and then obviously having the fight card there in Mexico City? Uh, Well, it's pretty awesome. Technically, we're not going to open... UFC athletes until around April 8th, but, you know, the uh, the fight week was there. So, I mean, it's awesome. You know, it, it will, I mean, it will it will change the landscape for, you know, South America, uh, Latin American fighters, you know. Uh, if you think about all the benefits, uh, you know, giving those athletes access to this stuff, um, it's going to be great for them. You know, it's like Dan always talks about the heart of the Mexican fighter and the passion that, you know, those people have for fighting, it, you know, it really makes sense to put one down there. So, And speaking of the PI, um, they just announced that for UFC 300, it will be headlined by the light heavyweight champion Alex Pereira against Jamal Hill. And I know that Jamal's been also doing... the light heavyweight champion. Yes. So two champs. And Jamal's been doing his recovery at the PI, and you are the former light heavyweight champion yourself. So how has Jamal's progression been? Because I know he was recovering from his Achilles. Yeah, that's a big one. No, I mean, I think it's been great. One thing I can definitely say is those guys are getting bigger. Um, I got to stand next to Alex Pereira this weekend, and um, he's a large human. But then again, uh, he's a large human too. So there's two very large guys. Um, that's going to be a good fight, man. Now, what a what a cool thing to get the headline 300. So, yeah. And the UFCPI, they've opened their doors to professional athletes across all the major sports. In fact, well, it, no, no, we haven't opened our doors. We, well, we charge, we charge the shit out of them. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was going to get there too. I I know the top ranked boxers like Terence Crawford, uh, Michaela Mayer. They've they paid money to to use yeah. the facilities and whatnot. I I totally yeah, understand. Yeah, those guys I really like having because they're, you know, the, the two you mentioned, they're, they're legends, you know. So when UFC fighters see them, 
they actually feel like, well, Don, I must be in the right place, you know? Mm. So uh, it's really cool to have those high-level. Devon Haney comes in sometimes. There's some really high-level pro boxers that come in and engage in our services. You know, it's, it's those supplemental services that, that you really can't get anywhere else as far as the nutritional diagnostics or the strength and power profiling, et cetera, right? So, you know, it's just, uh, you know, they talk about the informed decision-making. Well, you know, boxers and and other high-level athletes can benefit from that, too. Well, talk to us about another high-level athlete that's walked through the door, NFL Pro Bowler, our star in the defense here with the Raiders, Max Crosby, coming through those doors and sparring Sean Strickland, yes. former UFC yes. middleweight champion. What was that like? Um, it was, you know, uh, man, I don't even really know what to say or what I should say without getting people in trouble. <laughs> 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 why Why Max and Steve let him do that, I don't know. Here's the problem with Max Crawford. He actually hits Nick. He's a big athletic guy with some, some skill, you know. Um, you know, I told him, I was like, dude, I can train you now. You can be a professional MMA fighter and make like, you know, one-tenth of what you're making now. So uh, if you want to switch over, you just let me know. <laughs> well, then but, who's uh, – yeah. No, it, it, it was pretty good. It was pretty fun, and I actually got to watch that. That was nice, and I guess that's what made, you know. Yeah, anyway. Well, who's been the most impressive athletes that you've seen walk through those doors? I've seen Shaq through those doors, too. I mean, who's been the most physical specimen athletes that you've come across? Because, listen, Forrest, I mean, you are a legend yourself when it comes to MMA, so you yeah. you have a good eye for this. Well, yeah, I mean, I do consider myself, I forget who it was. Um, I don't know. He's like a, one of those $100 million NBA centers. Literally, he's on a $100 million contract. Um, I wrestled with him, and I thought, man, you know, this is just, this guy's not really human, you know? It's just like people are different. Um, yeah, there's, there's different levels of people out there, you know? Uh, I did get to grapple with Shaq, and that was, you know, the uh, best way to describe it is I remember in college we were moving a refrigerator and it fell on me. It was the exact same thing. <laughs> like a refrigerator falling on you. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die now. I, I mean, I think that's a pretty fair comparison, uh, Shaquille O'Neal to a refrigerator in terms of weight, in terms of mass. Yeah. That, that's a pretty good comparison. You know, I said, hey, man, what do you weigh? About 315. He goes, I wish I'm down to 379. <laughs> Okay, all right, three eighty it is. I, there's no, there's no division in MMA above two sixty five. I mean, there's no super heavyweight division, and if they did have a super heavyweight division, I think three seventy, three seventy nine would be too big for that too. Uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know, but you can do one off fights, you know. I guess they could. Yeah, you can fight Gabby Garcia or something. Who knows? There's always a fight out there. And for I saw you recently. Uh, tagged in in the WWE, AJ Styles tagged you in. What was that like? Yeah, um, yeah. First off, no, I didn't know that was coming. No, I don't know the uh, the fellow that was that was that was talking to me. No, I didn't know what to do. And no, the security guard that was standing right next to me did not know whether to let me jump the fence or not. Uh, that that was actually really fun. I think because it was so impromptu. Um, I do want to say that I had a plan when I jumped over the fence. I figured I'll just go up there and see if I can pull one of those old-school pride drop kicks. At the time, he was standing over the mat. So I thought if I just 
you know, double leg kick him, he'll know what to do, and I can probably do that without hurting myself too bad. But, uh, yeah. Man, look at the influence the UFC is having in the WWE now with this TKO, this merger in one company. I think you guys are making the WWE so much better. You know, yeah, I tell you, I, I've never, I was never a fan of WWE, but I've always been uh, an admirer of what those guys do physically. You know, it's a grind, man. You're on the road three times a week. You got to try and stay big and strong and do that stuff and not get hurt. You know, I've gotten to train with a couple guys like Bobby Lashley and a couple guys that have crossed over, and I've always been impressed. You know, I uh, I don't think I could do it. You know, you you dad physically break down. You'd be surprised how hard that is. As a winner of the first inaugural season of The Ultimate Fighter, I'd be stupid if I didn't ask you, who would you like yeah. to see in the next upcoming season of The Ultimate Fighter? Which two people would you like to see coach? Yeah, we don't know yet, huh? No? It's men's 135 and 185. I know that, right? Hopefully. Uh, but no, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I just, I hope there's some talent left that, that can kind of really fill it up a little bit. Because recently, I'll be honest, contenders been kicking the uh, ultimate fighter butt as far as putting people in the UFC. So, you know, hopefully we can get some, some solid guys. And you're a legend of this game, a Hall of Famer. But here in Vegas, they just announced September 15th, UFC 306. It'll be the first event done at the Sphere. What are your thoughts on that? Okay, I didn't know that was going to be a, a number UFC event. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I thought it was just going to be UFC Noche as well, but it, it's see, been released yeah. that it's uh, 306. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I haven't been to the Spear yet, um, but I'm, you know, and I'm not, I'm not big on asking for tickets, but I think I'm going <laughs> to ask for tickets for that one. I mean, you don't have a front row seat or cage side seat right then and there for, for yeah, all the things my, you've done? My thought, is, my thought is if they can sell that seat, they should probably sell it. And then they, you know, I'll just keep taking my paycheck. That's uh, fair trade. I mean, they need to have you as cage side security so we don't get another <laughs> DDP and Sean Strickland cage side brawl. And speaking of security, what was, what was the deal with that brawl over in Mexico City? There's no security whatsoever on the sidelines there. Yeah, I was in the back. I think, it, I, honestly, I think it's like culturally different where the security kind of lets it sort itself out and then they go on <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. I mean, just, that's, uh, that's what happened. I, mean, I think that's the strategy over there. Which, you know, if you've ever worked security, it doesn't seem like the worst strategy I've heard. <laughs> the, everyone let the fight play out and it looked, it, it had a natural ending. And then everyone went on. And about their business. It was a real cool thing to see. I wasn't there live, but I saw so many different angles of it. And I just thought it was really neat to see the conclusion of a fight with no one stepping in and then people going back to doing what they were doing. That's hilarious. Yeah. We, you know, let that be a lesson to people. Uh, don't, don't go starting fights. You might actually be getting a fight, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's Forrest Griffin. He's UFC Hall of Famer. He is the VP of Athlete Development at the UFCPI. Uh, we were just talking about some UFC 300 with uh, the light heavyweights that are headlining that card. Uh, what do you make of the BMF belt? We got Justin Gaethje. We got Max Holloway. Do you like the idea of having unique belts outside of, you know, the traditional weight classes? Like that's, having a BMF uh, belt. That's 
in 300, right? Someone was just asking me today, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think it's cool, right? As long as it's a five-round fight, it's a good excuse. You know, I think, so for me, and, and I'll tell you, at the end of my career, I wasn't really thinking oh, I'll be champion again. I was thinking, what's a fun matchup, you know? And um, I, I like those fights, man. It, it kind of reminds me of, like, the old-school pride where they were just like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if these guys fought, even though they're not quite the same way or whatever, you know, what if they could, like, find a central way and meet that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, I was like that. You know, Max is a big 45-er. Gaethje's not a big 55-er, so I think it works out. And right now there have been some rumors floating around on could there be more weight classes added to the UFC, such as a 165-pound weight division. Would you like to see the UFC expand to more weight divisions? Right, to 165 and 175 as opposed to 170. Yes. Right? Yeah. You know, I mean, I would like it, right? You get another belt, you get another, uh, you know, potential chance. But, but then I think, you know, Again, what you always want to avoid is people jumping around weight classes to avoid other people. Um, you know, and the other thing is just the legacy that that welterweight belt has happened, has had. Which weight would be welterweight, you know? And what's the new weight class going to be called? These are, just, these are problems, guys. we got to this out. No, I mean, it, it, they're fair points. Yeah. I mean... I guess boxing, like if we went in increments of 10 and throw in a 195-pound weight division in there too, maybe you call that cruiserweight. I'm sure yeah, welterweight's either 65. So well, that one, that one uh, there's not enough talent to support, you know. Hmm. But, but, but a 75 and a 65, if you think about the number of UFC fighters that fight between 45 and 70, I think that's actually like the bulk of the roster, right? Yeah. You know, I'm, uh, around the world – most parts of the world, if you put the average man and he's in shape, that's about what they're going to weigh, you know? Uh, when you start getting up bigger, it, it, the, the, you know, it just gets thin, right? You, you always, I always used to be like, man, it'd be cool if there was a 100-kilo weight class and now I could just show up in shape and not lose, you know, maybe lose two or three pounds at the most. Um, but, you know. There's just not a lot of people that size. Well, I will say this. The sport's 30 years young. If you compare it to, like, let's say the NFL, they were wearing leather helmets, and uh, they're 30 years into it. But also, if you guys keep opening up PIs across the world, you're going to attract more talent in different regions. I know, like, the region of India could be a potential market in the future. And as the sport evolves, maybe it will call for more weight divisions. Well, and I think, too, you know, I have some people that ask me, what about women's atom weight, you know? And and we've actually had a couple women in China in the academy that we actually let go because they were a little too small for 115. But I think, you know, as you, you know, expand in Asia and the popularity grows, then the women's atom weight division at some point will, will get picked up. Interesting. So would they still have the featherweight division for women's, or is that yeah, completely well, any, done? Yeah, what, do you know what's going on with the, the featherweight division, the 145-pound weight division for female right now? I mean, it's, it's still going on. There's just not a ton of women in it, right? I don't know that there's even 15 women in it currently, is there? I have to look. I don't think so. I haven't seen rankings in a few years, but that would be the biggest reason why, is I don't think they have 15 women to make up that division. 
Yeah, I mean, it's the support the talent. Hey, are, uh, what are, what are home and uh, what's her name fighting at? Uh, that 135? 135, yeah. Holly Holm and the debut of Kayla Harrison in the UFC. Yeah, I'm very interested for that fight because she's never yeah, fought at that yeah. weight. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. You know, that might be the reason to bring 45 back would be for her. But if she's going to move to 35, I guess, you know, maybe you don't need that weight class. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's a really, really good point. Well, Forrest, we really appreciate you joining us for the Schmo Zone. Uh, we will do this again sometime Appreciate you hopping on today. Hey, thank you, guys. Thank you, and uh, keep up the great work. Thank you. You too. We'll see you soon. I'm sure of it. Thank you. Later, guys. Thank you. Take care. That's Forrest Griffin, UFC Hall of Famer, the first ever winner of The Ultimate Fighter. I know, and who many considered his fight against Stefan Bonner to kind of like revitalize the UFC and basically save that sport and put the sport on the map and look where it is today all the great things they continue to do and involve with and that's why we make a combat sports section on the schmo zone because they do big things and they're right here in the home of las vegas kind of down the street almost kind of down the street wow i mean we covered a lot today we went to we did some basketball some nba talk we did some nfl we did some ufc and combat sports the troy hawkins he knows all the sports, so he was I fun know. to talk with as well. Um, what an absolutely beautiful day here in Las Vegas, too, I might add. And the weather's getting warmer, so that's always a plus. I love this time of year. You know, we are just started a couple weeks. Uh, we're a week or two into spring training. Spring is getting in full <laughs> spring mode. Yeah, and I always get in a much happier mood because I love the sun. I love the spring and the warmth. The warmth is great. Uh, I think the A's will be in town the end of next week, too, for two games uh, against the Brewers here. We'll check that out. Yeah, we're going to try to make it down there for sure. I know a lot's happening. I mean, I know this weekend we'll be getting some more interviews in. Yes, we'll be doing a lot. You got the Mint 400 next week as well. You have UFC 299. We'll be tuning in and giving you guys updates. We are here every Tuesday, 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. Pacific time. Make sure to follow us at the Schmo Zone, at the Schmo 312, and at Helen Esports. Till next time, party people. Thanks for tuning in. The Schmo Zone, ESPN Radio. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.